I know it hurts. I know it hurts. But but, but of course, it's, it's a bit of good news for Shinzo Abe, as you said. He's a Kaiser Actually, Chiefs fan. I was excited. He just, he just, <laughs> get the peace sign. I said, whoa, okay. <laughs> I mean, amidst all the doom and gloom, um, yeah. looking at what uh, the Japanese stocks are doing, extending the biggest monthly loss since 2012. It has been a very tough year for the Japanese markets. It's, it's been really, really tough. Two reasons, I want to say. And the first one being, obviously, the fight against deflation, which I think somehow Shinzo Abe will be very excited to know that there has been some positivity. He has done a lot of things, uh, including putting money straight back into the bottom end to make sure that he protects himself. So what is the result of this, which is the second thing that actually they have done to try and stabilize their economy or rather their market, is that the stocks, uh, there's a marginal cause that the Japanese stocks would normally charge uh, that was declined earlier on this year or rather uh, was decreased earlier on this year. And that has helped a lot of the struggling stocks from last year to actually start making some positive ground. So very much welcome. But unfortunately still very, very tough. I mean, the topics index is set to cap its biggest monthly loss in more than three years. We can hear what the comments have said. I've heard what my colleagues are saying about the Federal Reserve Bank and how much speculation has been built against all uh, for uh, interest rates high. I'm not sure. All I'm thinking about the Japanese stocks right now is how do I make the companies that have been making money positively continue to do so? For example, we saw Toyota Motors down 2.2% uh, because of the stronger yen. And if you look at Oki, uh, electric industry, for example, they also sank 5.3%. It's not looking good. You must try and stabilize the good companies that you have, make them look much stronger, including the guys like Mitsubishi, uh, specifically because they are in the chemicals industry. They should be doing much, much better than what they're doing currently. And um, I think, you know, we, we just have to wait and see. But those, those numbers don't look positive at all. Not at all, but it's also a tough ask, uh, you know, uh, looking at the currencies and what they are doing, set yeah. for the biggest monthly decline in three years there. Yeah, you know, um, you know, the, the Asian currencies are not the strongest by any mile um, when you compare them to these global conglomerates like the U.S. dollar, like the euro. Um, and the reason is simple, is that, you know, when you are trading uh, um, with amongst about 157 nations, you have to find a currency that is actually relatively easy to utilize, easy to access, and can be traced very, very easily. And... It is the same problem that the South African faces, South African RAND faces. Despite the fact that it has looked rather stronger, and people will think I'm talking absolute rubbish here, but compare it to its peers, and all of a sudden it looks a little bit better uh, than those, those particular emerging market currencies. But the problem with the Asian ones is there's so many currencies. There's the Rinji, there's the Yuan, there's, this, there's the Yen. There's the, and so it becomes very difficult when trading amongst other countries to sort of like have a singular type of stream of business or currency that actually uh, translates to both sides very easily. So whether you sell in ringgit or whether you, you sell in, 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 in yen, the price is always relative to uh, what the dollar does. And so that's what makes it difficult because there's no sort of like independence. And so they've been struggling very, very much, uh, Sachin, unfortunately. If you look at those numbers in actual fact, uh, uh, China's almost 11 devaluated took investors by surprise, by sparked concern of other Asian countries who might also see 
uh, numbers actually depreciate. Not a necessarily good side for them. But I'm hoping that when the dollar starts to weaken, which a lot of people disagree with me, I think that if, the, if, if September comes and the Fed decides to hike uh, interest rates, I reckon that the dollar will actually weaken. Mm. And then, you know, here at home, uh, the steel industry obviously going through a very rough time. And uh, the trade minister has imposed uh, steel tariffs. But we spoke about this last week. What's your take on it? In TMB. You know what is in TMB. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, our steel industry has been under tremendous amount of pressure. I mean, we can go back as far as the times of ESCO or whatever it was called then. We, we, we haven't been able to penetrate uh, the specifically the emerging markets very well. We have not been able to put regulation in place to have proper controls to make sure that there's a value chain that is built uh, that is consi- that is consistent with uh, the value that we've built within that particular industry. And one of the things, obviously, everybody was talking about was the uh, uh, cheap imports from China. So even if you can do as much as uh, increase tariffs and all that. What is, what is going to be uh, a, a, an attractive uh, a prospect for investors is to see, will, will it be cheaper for me to produce locally, uh, or is it just easier for me to just import the stuff from China, which will cost me half the price, if that is the case, and I can pay the import taxes and all that and still come up with a nice profit. That is where the problem is. So if you can create that powerful value chain, and it requires years and years of investment and putting money at the right places to make sure that you make a robust type of steel industry so that in team the you know. So we need to start looking at those particular pockets of the industry because it can create as many as 200,000 jobs, which are actually very, very much needed. Well, indeed. And um, that's where we're going to leave it for this morning. Clive, speak to you again tomorrow. And that was our market analyst, Clive Ntozabantu Ramatibela. AM Live on SAFM, SAFM, where the day's biggest current affairs stories come to life.